So if you guys can, be in Hebrews chapter 1 with me tonight. We're actually going to just be focusing on a very small section of Hebrews. Uh, We're going to be doing the first three verses. And as you're turning there, I just kind of wanted to set the stage as to why I believe that the Lord uh, put this on my heart to to do uh, for this evening, is it's actually a great intersection of everything that we've done this year so far and leading up into Christmas. It's kind of fascinating because, like, if you're, if you're following along the book of John, uh, Jesus has definitely, by the end of the book, been, you know, murdered on the cross. He went in the tomb, and he's been resurrected, and now we're about to celebrate Christmas. So that could be, like, with your timeline, you're like, wow, we're going to really do this all over again. Uh, we're going right back to the beginning. But I want to let you know there's a great thing that I believe that the Lord has brought us to, and that is to show us kind of the, to remain in the same purpose of all the study that we're doing is that the Lord has been the same through every text. Through the book of Exodus, the same story through the, every Wednesday that we study that was the Lord is here to restore the relationship that we had with him because we severed it. We were created for intimate relationship. We were created like Adam and Eve to walk and talk with the Lord, and we lost that through sin. So what did the Lord do? Through the book of Exodus, he's shown through his people in Israel, I have a plan. I have a tabernacle. I have a holy of holies. I want to speak through my high priest, and I want you to hear me. And then we look through the book of John, and what do we see? The Lord came, and we heard him through the words of John, Jesus came and was that, that vocal piece. And now we're looking at the, the precipice of, of Christmas and we're going, what is this about? It's about the Lord coming to meet with us, even though we don't deserve it. So we are going to see this. And by the way, I put this title on the sermon. I don't really focus this on a lot, but I think this one's pretty good. Uh, this particular sermon is, what does Christ want for Christmas? So if you want to write that at the top, I never do those, but here you go. So Hebrews chapter one, verse one we start there. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, he had spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him, also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Uh, This is one considered by scholars to be one of the best sentences in the New Testament. And that's kind of uh, something to say, right? Of all the sentences in the New New Testament, they said this particular one is written in such a way that the Greek is so perfect that it perfectly encapsulates the whole Bible. It's one sentence, and uh, you can see if you're looking in your Bible that if you have English translation, you actually see a couple periods in here. Those are not actually in the original one. This is a particular, this is how the English people have tried to struggle to put into the, from the Greek, unpack these words to exemplify who Jesus is, because there's a lot of things that are happening here. Uh, What's amazing is Jesus has given about 250 names throughout the Bible, And here alone, we're seeing a bunch of different names applied to Jesus. Even though we don't see his name, Jesus, here in this text, we know exactly who they're talking about. Why? Because it exemplifies who Jesus is from God's heart. And so we see those those names are lined up, but immediately it brings you right to it. And there's three things that unfold in these three verses that are so beautiful. It shows you that Christ is better than any other gift. The second thing that is shown here is how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament. 
And that's exactly what we've done here in this church, right? We've gone verse by verse through Exodus on Wednesday, and then we've gone verse by verse through the book of John on the weekends. And what did they do? They perfectly aligned to who Jesus is and why he had to come and why he had to die and why, which is our third purpose, his purpose is to be resurrected. And so you can see in these three verses everything that the Lord has a heart for. So if you're writing notes, this is our first note of the evening. It says this, God's first gift to us was his eternal word. God's first gift to us was his eternal word. I love how this opens up just like if you think about the book of Genesis, in the first you know, couple of words here, we have in the past, so we're talking about the beginning, God spoke. For God's word, we exist. Isn't that amazing? Just think about that. Because of God's eternal word that he's gifted us, he said to you, he said, I want you to exist, and he spoke you into existence. He gave you the breath of life. Think about this. If, this, if he doesn't speak to the sun, the sun doesn't rise. It says that, the, that through in the book of Colossians that he holds all things together. If the Lord is not speaking to the universe, the universe is falling apart. God is very much active and alive and very much involved in your life, and it is held together by what? His word. And that's how we know that most people don't know Jesus Christ or know God is because they don't know what he's speaking. They don't know his voice. And how do you best know a person? You can't read about them. You have to talk to them. You have to sit across from them and hear them speak. Ask them questions. Let them respond. Let them tell you their life story. And that's what the word of the Lord has done. It is, especially in these three verses, it is accurately spoken into that God is involved with man historically, continually, and accurately portrayed this, this picture, <clears throat> he is our creator. He is our Lord and master. And by that, we know that he is God because we don't have that power to speak that word, but he does. And if he is to be removed out of our life, if he speaks a word, he can make you not exist. If you know in the book of Ezekiel, there's an army that comes against Israel that's prophesied, and the Lord shows up and says two words, I am, and the other army falls down dead. There's not even a battle, guys. It's not a chess match. It's not a game of dodgeball. The Lord speaks two words, and the enemy is reduced. Boom. Why? Because he says, I am. I'm the uncreated one, and I want you to hear my words. And I just love that. Do you realize that God wants you to know him? He doesn't make it mysterious. He doesn't make it hard. Now, there are facets about the Lord that might be harder to understand, and there might be uh, depths to the Lord that you might take a lifetime to figure out. But he himself is introducing himself to you daily, through the word, through creation. I love that it says here that the Old Testament, God spoke mostly through the prophets, and then it moved right into the New Testament. And how did he speak to us? Through Jesus. But who is Jesus? God himself. He is the word. He spoke the word, and the word was with us, and the word was God, and the word came to us. Just think about his eternal promise of, of love and creation, and everything came to us, not we went to him. So God does speak through history. He speaks through the results of his word. Think about this. God speaks through creation. I always make this joke uh, when we, before we had kids, my wife and I used to travel a lot. And I always loved to travel in North Carolina. And the hallelujah that would come out of us when we would go, you know, past South Carolina, Greenberg, and we'd have, uh, Greens, is it Greensburg? And we go right, right towards North Carolina. We see those mountains. And I go, babe, God is real. Once you leave fat, flat, fat, flat Florida, right? <laughs> fat mosquitoes. Fat mosquitoes, right? You, you go right into North Carolina, and you just see a whole new world. You're like, the, the beautiful skies that we'd see in other places, right? And you're like, the Lord is real. 
And you think about this, the Lord has speak, spoken through angels. He's spoken through visions and miracles. And think about this, the Lord has spoken through a thunder. And at the same God has spoken through a still small voice. And the same time, God's spirit was poured out on his people. And yet there is still a limitation to the word that we have in our hand. And don't worry, I'm not going to say anything bad about the Bible. It is infallible word of God. It is the complete revelation of the Lord. But I want to let you know something. It is really hard for us to maybe understand that at the time that the Bible was written, it was written over 1,400 years with 40 different authors. And yet there was one editor that carried them carried the whole Bible through, and now we read it, it's one single solitary voice. Just think about the people that wrote the Bible, that wrote the different books, were independent of each other. They didn't know each other. They weren't always contemporaries. They didn't live at the same time, and yet they speak the same truths while experiencing totally different uh, scenarios and situations, and yet the same Lord speaks the same truth into them, and it powerfully moves them. In different languages, nonetheless. In different cultures, and yet it's the same Holy Spirit that comes through. But it's kind of like a puzzle. I always like to make this, this joke with the teenagers. It's like we, we do this thing where we take a puzzle box and we take away the cover so they can't see it. And I go, put the picture together. And it takes them so much longer when they don't have that reference. And I go, that is you when the Lord says you have the image of the Lord on you, but you don't know who the Lord is. You've been made God, by God, for God. You've been made in the image of God, yet you don't know who God is, so you don't know who you are. So therefore, you're conducting your life in a way with no reference point, and there you're just trying to put bit by bit, piece by piece together. And you can see the Old Testament prophets were doing that. We know a Messiah is coming, but verse by verse, I don't really know what he looks like. I know the spirit of the Lord. I know what, he'll, I know what his spirit will look like, but I don't know exactly him. And yet there was a Christmas morning that the Lord came. Do you realize that the Christmas morning exists for this one reason? Adam and Eve sinned. The only reason we have a Bethlehem, the only reason we have a Jesus Christ, the only reason we have a nativity and all of that, and this glorious moment with the announcement that the Lord has come is because of sin. And the Lord showed up because of a promise that was made in Genesis 3, and he held true to it. And what was the, what was the promise? The promise wasn't, I'll deal with your sin. The promise was, I want to be with you. I am the Lord God, and I want to be with my people. And right now, there is a problem that is between us, and I will deal with that problem, but I will deal with that problem by sending first my word. I like to think that this is the particular moment that we experience Christmas, and we have all these beautiful lights and trees and all these, and all these traditions that we do um, and that I love doing. But I, I love how C.S. Lewis, before Christ, it would be like this. It was always winter, but never Christmas. It's a cold world. It's a Genesis, Genesis 3 fallen and broken world. And what we're doing right now is if we don't get to know our Lord and understand who we are in him and who he is in us, then we're just looking at broken fragments of our life and trying to piece together what the whole truth is, but we don't have the image. And yet Christ comes. And that's what's revealed in the New Testament. This is why the New Testament or Jesus Christ in the New Testament is better than the Old Testament it's because of one reason. First, it was the word, and then the word came to us and made flesh to walk with us, to talk with us, and to pay the punishment. And we move from knowledge to involvement. You know, sometimes, um, I'm going to embarrass Jackie just a little bit. It's not bad. She likes to watch a lot of romantic Hallmark movies, and sometimes there's a lot of letters involved. It's a lot of exchange of letters. 
and it's all cutesy letters, and they're writing back to each other, back and forth, and it's like, oh, they love each other through the letters, but nothing can replace when they see each other for the first time, or if they've been missing for a long time, or they're trying to get to each other, and, to, and usually it's like the, the lady, because it's a Christmas movie, right? It's always a Christmas movie, and she's always hanging decorations, every Hallmark, I'm going to spoil it for you, every Hallmark movie, she's always hanging, you know, at that, like, gondola that's, like, in the middle of the town, right? And she's like, and he's like, Susie, and she's like, oh. And then that's the end of the movie, right? You know, like, but the letters could never replace the person. The letters could never, you guys are going to not watch it. You're going to be like, Joey ruined all the Hallmark movies for me. But that's what it is. We move from knowledge to involvement. And there's things that happen in person that can change. We're about to uh, play a video. And I just want to explain this video before we play it. I want to kind of share the experience of what I think it was like for people to move from maybe hearing about God to hearing God. Uh, we're about to watch a video, and you've seen this a lot. I'm, I'm going to give you like a forewarning. I watched it 400 times, and Jackie can back me up so I could get all my tears out so I don't cry in front of you. But this is one of these videos um, where there is a, uh, a deaf kid that's with his family, and they've put implants in his ears, and they're letting him hear for the first time. But what I want you to notice is you could maybe kind of look at this moment like it's, it's a tough moment for him because the way he reacts to his mom. But I want you to notice where is his safety, but where is what is happening in the moment? Where is his safety, but who does he go to? If you guys could play that video for us. So this is dad talking. You'll hear the nurse come in. Okay. All right. Okay. So this time when I say go, they'll both be on together, okay? So, that, so do you want to watch his face? Yeah. And it's going to be on in three, two, out the tissues. So there's a moment in here that kind of like strikes me. And the reason why this reminds me of, the, of a relationship with Jesus Christ is that this reminds me of the time that maybe I didn't feel like the Lord loved me or I knew the, the Lord loved me. I, I always grew up in church and I always uh, was around Christians all my life. But my uh, parents' relationship with Jesus isn't my relationship. Um, and there was a time where we were going through a rough patch uh, with my parents. They were fighting, and they weren't sleeping in the same room. And I said to the Lord, I'm like, are you even here? Or do you even care? I mean, my family's falling apart. They eventually, as you guys know, in my testimony got divorced. But the Lord said, I am here with you. And I remember hearing that for the first time, like, I'm going to go through this with you. You're not alone. And I just was, like, overwhelmed by that moment. Even as a young person, I was 12 years old sitting in my uh, bedroom at, at my house. And I was like, whoa, like, how do you, how do you process that? And the only thing I knew to do was maybe to run closer to Jesus. And that's what this particular kid did. And I think that's what we're seeing when we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament is that there's no longer just a description of the good thing that's coming. The good thing is here. 
There's no longer a talk about the delivery of what's going to come, but the delivery of the deliverer is here. The deliverer is now in your hands, holding you, lifting you up and saying, you know what, what you heard in the Bible is now in full, clear volume. It is me, Jesus Christ. I am the promises that have now moved into the presence. And you are in the presence of God. So it brings us to our next point. God's greatest gift was his heart delivered to us in Christ. God's greatest gift was his heart delivered to us in Christ. If you ever wondered if Jesus Christ, or sorry, wondered if God loved you, the full definition of that truth is Jesus Christ. Does God love me? Look at the cross. Does God love me? Look at the tomb. That baby was born just for this one moment to remove all the sin and the shame and the guilt that is in between you and the Lord forever. Whatever that wedge is between you and the Lord, he took it on so that you would no longer have that wedge. And that is told by God from God from the lips of Jesus Christ. Christ is the, Christ is the complete image of God. Which brings us to John 14, 8 through 9. You might see that on the screen. It says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Can you imagine that? You're saying that too, God? And of course, Jesus is so amazing. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Think about the wonderful gift that this is. The gift that was promised is now delivered, but think about this. It's, you're asking for the Lord, you have the Lord. It's more than you could ever ask for. It's not like, tell us about the Lord. No, I am the Lord and I'm here. Yeah, but do you understand how ridiculously silly the disciples were at time? How much they failed? And where was Jesus Christ? Right there in the middle of ministering to them every step of the way. I've been delivered to you for this moment. I love that. It's the very living message of God. His, and we're seeing the revelation of God's heart in this scripture right here. It's saying, I want to see you in a very deep and direct way. I want you to know me. The words on the page become God, Christ's arms around you. I would trade everything for that. We just sang a song about that. So Christ is not just sent by God. Jesus is God, which brings us to John 10.30. The Father and I are one. I get this question a lot from the little ones. They're like, should I pray to Jesus or should I pray to God? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe we pray to both at the same time. Seems right, right? They are one. There's no difference between the two. Usually when it's a good prayer, I pray to God, but usually when I'm in danger mode, I'm like, Jesus, help me now. I mean, that's usually how it comes out of me. I'm not saying that's the prescription. It just happens that way. But you can start in one and end in the other. It's okay. Why? Because you can see the heart of both and they are united. And that's what we see at Christmas. Christmas did this for us. Christ added humanity to his divinity for what reason? To proclaim the message that I am here to walk with you, to talk with you, to experience, to suffer with you. I, if you are hurting, I am hurting. If you have been tempted, I have been tempted. If you've been hungry or exhausted, Jesus was hungry and exhausted. How many times did Jesus go, okay, that's enough for today. Push out the boat. I'm so glad those verses are in there that Jesus didn't go, sleep, sleep when you're dead. Can you imagine that? You'd be like, oh. No, Jesus like, I'm going to take a nap. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. The word of the Lord is good. That's what I love, but that's what you see. In, and when we're looking at Hebrews, it says, through whom all he created. In the beginning, God created everything by speaking the word, and what he made was good. And when he got to man, he said it is very good. 
And that very good became tainted with sin, and we messed it up to the point that we were actually dead in our sins. And something that was dead needed more than perfume and makeup to make it look good again. It needed new life. We always wonder why it needs to be Jesus Christ that comes to this earth. If you think about this, if, if everything was created by God, for God, through Jesus Christ, he would have to speak a word into us. He spoke everything into existence. He would have to speak through his word again. And who was his word? Jesus Christ. All of creation is now looking for this one moment. And it makes total sense. If God is the word of life, then it would need for us to be in the word of life one more time. And that's what forgiveness looks like. And that's a very special reminder for us because just think about this. This is not just a gift from a friend. It's a gift from a God. I know we like to use the word it's from our God or the God. But let me just say this. There is a God in heaven. And he's not shopping at Macy's or Burdine's. He's going through heaven and he's saying, what is the top thing that I can give you to prove to you that I love you? When I shop for you, I don't want you to know how I feel about who you are. I want you to know who I am. And I give myself an expression through this and I am a God. So what do I give you? I give you a God. Look at Romans 9, 20 through 21 on the screen. Who are we, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who is formed, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make from the same lump of clay one vessel for special occasions and another for a common use? I put this scripture here for this reason. I believe that sometimes we can look at this particular gift of life that the Lord has given us and try to maybe compare to other Christians or maybe look at people in the Bible and say, I'm not like that. And the Lord is like, you are so much. You have the hand of a God in your life daily. There are people in this world that are doing everything but Jesus Christ just to touch the divine and daily he rests in your heart. Daily, he comes to you and ministers. Daily, he says, I seek an audience with you. Daily, he says, whatever was wrong, I want to make right, so I will lift you up to heavenly places and make you something that you're not. You are everything in my hands. Let me shape you. I love so much this moment that's coming up in Christmas. Jackie and I are going to get up, hot chocolate and coffee. The kids are going to get up way earlier than they need to. Christmas morning, they're going to rip open their, all their gifts, and we're going to be like, we spent so much money. Do you love this? And they're going to be like, Dad, have you seen this box? Where's, look, look what I can do with the wrapping. And we're going to be like, what are you doing? I did not save all year long so you could play with the box, but then you just got to let them go, right? At a certain point, you got to let them go. But sometimes I realize that that is me in this particular moment. There is a God who has come into my life, who has given me his divinity, has shown up, and his very special relationship, and sometimes I'm focused on the wrong thing. And the Lord is like, do you not understand the gift that you have? But in humility, I can say this. There is only one thing I have to do in this moment. There's only one thing you have to do on Christmas when somebody puts a gift in your hand. And what is that? Open it and just receive it. Open it and receive it. I don't have to think about it. I can just love for the fact that there is a God in heaven who loves me and is doing such great things. Look at verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. 
I love that we're talking about radiance and we're talking about light because in the Old Testament, God's glory is always described by his brilliance and his lights all through the book of Psalms, all through the book of Exodus, right? What does the Lord do when he meets with Moses? It's this bright, glorious light that comes down and it affects Moses so much so that when the people see Moses, after he has spent time with his friend God, Remember, he's like, I want to call you friend, the Lord says. And so he comes out and he's glowing like a neon light. And they're like, put a sheet over his head. I can't even look at him. He's just radiating. And I think about that all the time, that that is a blessing to be in the presence of the Lord, to receive that radiant light, because where I once was darkness, now I'm receiving light. I was once a vessel for darkness, and now I am a holder of the light. And in this moment, you can see the same thing on the Mount of Transfiguration. What happened to Jesus when he went up there and he spoke to Moses, right? He spoke to Elijah. The disciples look and he was glorious, showing with light. Look at Matthew 17, 2 on the screen. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. How bright is that? And his clothes became as white as the light. I love this particular moment, because it's actually an expression of this. Jesus Christ left heaven and visited us as a man, but he stayed as a God. After the resurrection, the glorious Jesus Christ that came through was the divine Jesus Christ, right, that ascended to heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father. He did come through. He did live the life of a man, but he's just visiting as a man. But what, how do we know him now? Do you know him as Christ the man or Christ the God? And here he is in Mount Transfiguration expressing the same light that was in the Old Testament to say this, the light has never faded. The light has only gotten more intimate and more profound for you. I've come for you. And now you can stand in the light. The disciples would be able to stand in the light of Jesus Christ where Moses could not stand in the light of God. For for Moses would die. And just think about this. This is the very nature of God. I want to be with you. I want you to experience light. And just think about the night that, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I remember one time I wasn't living for the Lord. And I just, I remember writing this in a journal. I used to journal a lot. And I feel like a great light went out in me. I said that. I was just so at the end of my rope, just so giving up on light. A great light went out in me. And I just remember the first time that I ran back to church with my mom. I remember getting in the car with my mom and I was so excited. And all I could think about, everything is brighter today. Everything is brighter today. And I would say this is because I believe that the word who is Jesus Christ had burned a new covenant in my heart and it would set it ablaze. And now I am the person who you see before you because of the fire of the Lord, not because of me, because that light is still burning. What a gift that the Lord would share his bright light with me. And let the whole world look in and say, this is how much I love Joey. This is how much I love you. Look at the light that I share with them. Look at the very heart of this gift, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Listen how he describes himself as a gift giver. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you know what I want you to do when you receive this gift? I want you to see me for who I am, and then I want you to just rest as I give you the gift takes a great lot of generosity, sacrifice, and humility to make a really good gift for somebody else and to give all of yourself in that gift. Is it correct? That's why we love, I came home for my birthday and I had a happy birthday uh, banner written by the boys. And Joey is learning to write and it looks like hieroglyphics. 
but I know he took his really longest time to write those words on that banner and on that card. And I will tell you what, I held on to that for so long. And Jackie's like, you only put those like, no, no, my, it's my birthday week. Now it's my birthday month. You know, it's like, I got to just keep looking at this. Why? Because it was out of great sacrifice and effort that I know it took Joey so hard, Joey Jr., my son, to write on that card. I just say, it's, you know what? He gave everything to me in that because I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to keep in the lines. I know how hard it is for him to write the letters. But I think about this. It's gentle to the point of forgiveness is what the Lord is saying. That's my sacrifice. And is Jesus lowly in heart? I would think so. It's hard for, for me to say that though, right? It's like, it's weird to think of the Lord as lowly in heart, right? But was he low on the cross? He very much was. He was the lowest he had ever been. Sacrificed his relationship with God for us beaten to a bloody pulp. All the punishment and wrath that should have been poured out on me was poured out on him. I would say this, he is lowly in heart and gentle. And he think about this, the God that I should be serving came to serve me. What a gift. I always think about this moment. I don't know why this always comes up. I don't know if you ever did this when you were a kid and you didn't, couldn't, I have no money, I have no job, right? I'm a little kid. I go to elementary school and like my mom's birthday's coming up. What can I do for her? I'll make her a coupon book. Here's a coupon for a hug, Mom. Anytime, any place. Well, what do you want me to vacuum the room? There's two coupons for that. You want to kiss, Mom? There's a coupon for that. Breakfast in bed? Maybe. <laughs> right? You know, because I might burn down the kitchen, right? But I'll put that in there. Maybe Dad will help me, right? But just think about that. What is that? It takes service to really bring yourself low to a person. And think about that. The Lord, how many coupons has the Lord put in here? And you can just break them out at any time, any place, and the Lord is ready to go. Look at the next part of that verse. It says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He has the whole world in his hands. He holds the smallest thing to the biggest thing in the same hand. The largest galaxy down to the smallest flower. Just think about this. He thinks about you, but then he also thinks about the sparrow. God's words are right now keeping you afloat. Just think about that. God has never stopped talking. In the Bible, it says, and God has been silent speaking to Israel for 400 years. But that doesn't mean God was silent. He was always speaking. His words were never more essential. His words have never stopped. If God had stopped speaking to the universe, the universe would fall apart. Imagine your life if God stopped speaking. If it's held together by his words, I'm talking about the very fiber of your existence, not just how you feel today. If he stops speaking, what happens to you? You are being carried by the very breath of God day by day, which brings us to our next point. God's gift of Jesus is absolutely essential to our whole life. If you cannot hear this wonderful gift of God speaking, think of that little boy, you may not be listening properly. It's in the Bible. It's in the word. It's in the prayer. It's in the worship. It's in creation. It's all around you. It's in the words from a friend who might be praying for you. The Lord is speaking, and every day that is a gift. And think about this particular moment, that moment you hear God for the first time because maybe you're learning to, to hear him the right way. I think about that little boy hearing his mom and his dad's voice for the first time, and I'm always blown away for that moment because he's overwhelmed. It's overwhelming to have this new sense flooded in by this powerful you know, thing of, it's, it's my mother's voice. I've seen her lips moving. I've seen my dad's lips moving. I know they've signed to me. I know they've written things to me. But it's another thing for that word to come from their, from their heart through their lips to my ears and how that resonates with me. 
And then the overwhelming nature of that moment, what does that little boy do? He buries himself in his mom's neck because he's, he's like, there's no other place to go. And I think about that. We have two options when we're overwhelmed by this gift that God gives us. And sometimes we like to retreat because we think about our contribution. Lord, I'm not worthy to hear your voice. Lord, I don't even know if I know what to do with your voice. And I'm, I'm afraid and I don't even like me. And you're speaking to me. And you can run and you can hide like the prodigal son or you can bury your face in his neck. And I would tell you, that is the safest place to be because that is what he's left heaven for. Jesus Christ left heaven to come to earth to remove any reason why you could not come and jump into his arms. The enemy will come to you and say to you, you are useless and God doesn't love you and that you're a failure as a Christian and that all this fear and anxiety might meet your imagination and you just be like, you know what? I'm seeing other people and they're being blessed and maybe the, the reason why I'm walking through these dark times or the rough patches in my life is because this is God speaking to me through this moment and saying, this is how I feel about you. And yet Jesus Christ comes to the earth and says, for the cross, uh, the joy set before me, I have endured all this because I want to be with you. I want to remove all the noise. I want you to hear my voice. I love you. I chose you, I came for you, and I died for you, and now I live for you. End of the story. And everything else that might come into that particular story or in your ear or in your life is a lie. And that's why it's essential that we only listen to Jesus so that we can hear the heart of the Lord. Do you understand that the word is not dormant or reactive? It's proactive. God walked and talked with Adam and Eve, and then they sinned and they failed. And what was his first word after that? I have a plan. And his name is Jesus Christ. It's a Messiah. He's on his way. Just think about these moments. He came to Moses, even though Moses failed so many times and says, I want to speak to each other as friends. And then he came down as Jesus Christ. And what did he say? I want to die for you. I want to be with you. I want you to know that I died for you before you even knew that I died for you. While you were still a sinner, I died for you. And if you look back into our verse, it says here, in whom he appointed heir of all things. This brings us to the, towards the end of our service. It says, did you ever ask yourself what Christ wanted for Christmas? I'm going to put this word to you again, whom he appointed heir of all things. That includes every single person in this room. Christ died on the cross so that he could say, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. Look at Psalms 2, verses 7 to 8. From the beginning, uh, David was proclaiming this as a, a messianic prophecy of Jesus Christ. It says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. And he said to me, you are my son today. I have become your father. Remember, Jesus was always Jesus in heaven, right? He was the son in heaven, but he never became Jesus on earth until he was born of the Virgin Mary, right? And now he's born. He goes, and now I have become your father. I've always been with you, but now today I'm your father. And then what does he say to Jesus? Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of your earth your possession. Translation, I want Calvary Chapel of Sebastian. You got it. That's what you get for Christmas, Jesus. Look at the next word. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. What did Jesus want? He didn't just decide to love you. He's wanted you from the beginning of time. From the beginning of time, he was creating you 
for this relationship. And look at John chapter 1, verse 3. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. His very word of the Lord has been spoken over your existence. So Jesus inherited the whole world, and what he did was for Christmas, and it was for the kingdom of God, and this is what Christ wanted. Which brings us back to our youth-led worship last week, which the youth did a great job, but we focused on this one verse, Psalms 8, 4 through 5. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels. And by the way, when you hear that word, why did he make them a little lower than the angels? Because Jesus was made, in Philippians, a little lower than the angels. Why? So that we could connect in our humanity. Connect in our humanity so that you could see eye to eye a God from heaven. And then what did he do? Once he gained you on Christmas, I want these people. Well, for sure, Jesus, this is the Lord speaking for you. You can have them. What are you going to do? I'm going to crown them with glory and honor. You know what Christ wanted for Christmas? To see you wear a crown of heaven and robes of righteousness and honor that only he could give you. What a desire, right? Just think about this. It's not every day that Christ gets a, you know, like anybody gets a gift and everybody gets blessed. Usually when, when one of the kids gets a gift, you know, it's like, you open your gift and this is mine, right, you know? And we as parents always have to make sure we get two identical gifts. There can be no different colors. There can be no different shapes or different labels or stickers. They have to be identical so both boys can get their toy and they can be fine and there'll be no wrestling. But when Christ received his gift, what did he do? He blessed all of us. You know what I want to do on Christmas when I receive all of you? I want to bless you with my glory. I want to bless you with my honor. I want you to be mine. I want the world to look in and see who is this person? Oh, they belong to Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're wearing his crown and they're wearing his glorious robes of righteousness. I want to be family. I want everyone to know, including you, that I love you. And that is the glorious radiance of the Lord. That is the light that's bursting through in in our world is not what he's done for us. It's who he is. It's not enough just to receive a good gift from an absent father. It's from a father that plants himself in his life and he goes, I want you to know how much I love you. I remember this moment. This is so uh, poignant to me. My dad used to be uh, big into hunting and he would go hunting every, you know, Thanksgiving and around Christmas time in winter. And I remember my dad leaving and going, and I was like, oh, you're going to be back for Christmas? And he said, no. He said, I'm going to be hunting with your uncles. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Well, you know, we'll do Christmas when you get back. And I'll never forget hearing the worst ho, ho, ho outside my window. I mean, you know, you're Santa's going, ho, ho, ho. You're like, that's Santa, right? I hear this like, my dad's from North Carolina, so he has a North Carolina, you know, accent. And he was like, ho, ho, ho. And I was like, that's not Santa. I know who that is. And I opened my blinds and there's my dad. You know what I wanted more for Christmas? Not the gifts that he gives, but I wanted him. And I ran and jumped in his arms And I just think about that. That's who we are. We are people who stand before the Lord saying, I want to be with you, but I don't know how. And he goes, don't worry, I'll do it. I'll be there. Don't worry, I'll show up. Make sure you do. Because that really us to the very end where it says this. After he provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So beautiful because we receive salvation in Easter because Christ asked for us on Christmas. The only reason we have Easter is because Christ asked for us. 
We were meant to die a sinner's death, but Jesus Christ died a sinner's death. And in the book of Exodus, we realize that Jesus would become that spotless lamb because it was a spotless lamb that would have to be brought before the priest and he would uh, slice the throat of this lamb, bleed it out, and sprinkle the blood over the altar. And that would just cover your sins for a year. But the Jesus Christ goes, no, 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 that won't do. I need to prepare these people for eternity because I want them to have Christmas forever. We are his inheritance. And if you can do this with me, we're going to close on this scripture, Romans chapter 8. If you can turn with me, we're going to do a a little bit longer, but I'm going to put the last verse on the screen. But if you could read with me through 14, Romans 8, 14 through 8. Sorry, Romans 8, 14 through 17. We are going to hear that intersection of the Old Testament and the New Testament and Christmas and Easter all at once. Romans 8. Verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you, brought your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are, his, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering and order, then we also may share in his glory. This is the most beautiful Christmas fact. God wanted me for Christmas. God wanted you for Christmas. And not only that, he wanted to share everything that he had in his glorious heaven with you, including himself. And I just think about this, how long I've been walking through my life, not with spiritual ears, wondering if God loves me, and then hearing for the first time how much he loves me and why he loves me and what he's planning to do about that. And I think about this, when I I see that little boy jump into his mother's arms and bury his his face in his neck, and I just think about this moment, he's as close as he can be to her heart, really, right? With his head up against her and his ear. And that is us when we bury ourselves in the spirit and hear the heart of the Father. And it beats with this, I love you and I will always love you. Come home. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this beautiful day that we realize that Our entire life is just an ongoing commitment from your plan of Christmas to now. That we share an inheritance, that we share in blessing, that we receive the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. We have heard you speak and you are true and you are right and you are good and you have shared this. The heart of the Father beats with love. Christmas is this. We are yours We've been earned through Jesus Christ. And now forever, you are ours. And there can be no greater gift. We can sit and we can rest in this particular moment. The work of salvation is done, and forever we have you. And so today, if there's anybody here in this room that needs to do this moment with me, Lord, I confess all my sins. I confess my fear. I confess my doubt. I lay my excuses at your feet, and I rest. And I just enjoy you for the rest of my life, a right relationship. Merry Christmas to Jesus, because if this is what you want, this is what you get, me. In Jesus' name, amen.